I have a story um, because I, I believe that it's important to have people who pour into you. Like I was not raised in church, so I did not have, you know, that family dynamic or anything. I went to a camp one time cause a buddy asked me to, and that's mm-hmm. when I got saved. Uh, it's also where I started meeting other people who did pour into my life. Like uh, Troy Brody, Troy Brody was a big influence on my life. The man took me everywhere. took me out of state to concerts, mm-hmm. uh, took me on a missions trip to Guatemala um, where we had some, some good laughs and did some, did some good stuff. Um, but he, uh, I remember there's one time and I'm going to, I'm going to tell the story. I want you guys to tell a story, kind of something similar of that. Uh, one day he called me, it was like a Friday morning and I'm like 17 or 18 and he's like, Hey, want to help a lady move to Chicago? And I'm like, yeah, why not? I can lift things. Sure. Let's, let's go. So we fill up a U-Haul. We follow this lady all the way up to Chicago, get all the stuff out drop off the U-Haul because we're not driving it back because that's so many miles. Um, we drop off the U-Haul and then we take the, I think it's the Amtrak that goes, runs from St. Louis to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so we drive on that. It takes like eight hours. Um, cause so, like they hit a deer on the train tracks and stuff. And it was just a fun time of like, he called on me. He's like, Hey, let's go help this lady move. And I didn't know this at the time. Cause I was just like, yeah, I'll help whatever the lady was in a bad situation there was abuse going on, things like that. She had to get away. She wanted to move back with family. And I didn't know this at the time. I was just like down to help in whichever way I could. But he was like, he knew the situation. He knew that like, this was something that needed to happen. And that's just kind of what ministry is, is like, is filling that need, whatever it may be. Um, and he just knew he could call me cause I wasn't doing anything at the time. <laughs> so he's like, Hey, I can just go and, let's move this lady to Chicago. And then we, we had a, it was a fun trip for me. Cause it was mm-hmm. just, you know, we're driving on the road and then we drive all, or we take the train back, which I'd never been on the Amtrak before. So I was like, you know, being a bubbled kid, I was like, Oh, this is fun. <laughs> it's the Amtrak, you know, but is there any, anything like that? Any kind of stories like that in your life that you can think of, like where somebody maybe kind of called you to in, introduce you to something new or something like something along those lines. I really can't think, one right off the bat the only thing I just I mean I just remember we always worked together and did things together of course you know he was able to have more free time to go out and help other people more in our beginning of ministry because I was taking care of our kids you know Mm -hmm. and then plus we I worked at a daycare uh, for many years Mm -hmm. and uh was always there so and then plus raising the kids but then he as being in the ministry was able to have more free time to go out and he did do a lot of things to helping people mm-hmm. yeah i think that again um something similar to that like i said uh that would be more of the stepping stone was when they did ask us to become the sectional youth leader there um, you know, that was definitely a, a change up for us other than just being youth directors. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was definitely an add-on. And then when uh, Gary Lucky asked me to, you know, would I consider, you know, uh, becoming um, an exhorter minister with the Pentecostal Church of God, uh, that was definitely uh, another step up to what compared to what we had been doing. Mm-hmm. Even though I was still working there at Warrensburg on a regular basis, uh, one day I remember coming in and I told uh, George, I said, you know what? I said, I don't know what it is, don't know when it is, but our lives are getting ready to change. I do feel that. And I really did. That day I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said within, uh, you know, the next half year to a year, 
uh, that we'd be definitely doing something different. Now, did I know pastoring or evangelizing? I had no idea, but I just knew things was getting ready to change. And uh, we went down to Bolivar, Missouri. We filled in for a gentleman that uh, his sister had passed away, and he, they were actually trying out different ones for a pastor for that church. And we went down to fill in. Uh, Reverend Hamilton had asked us to come down there, and uh, I said, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll fill in for that Sunday. Uh, Love the opportunity to preach. And he said, well, if you come, you can't come as a fill-in. You've got to come down and, and be a tryout. And I said, okay. And, again, I was going as a fill-in. And, uh, but I went down. We preached, had great services, wonderful people. We uh, went back home. Uh, we'd even heard that they'd already voted in a pastor and all this. So several weeks went by, and I remember calling Brother Hamilton to see if he had, uh, if he knew of anybody that maybe needed someone to fill in for a service or whatever, uh, because I just wanted to go somewhere and preach. Well, he called me back that afternoon, and um, I thought he was just returning my call. But he, uh, so I go ahead and I said, "Man, thanks for calling me back. And uh, by any chance, do you have a place we could go?" And he said, "Well." I think so. He said, I'm sitting here with the Bolivar uh, board members, and they voted Jen as pastor of the church. Will you accept it? Well, I just laughed about it. I thought he was joking. Mm-hmm. And uh, come find out he wasn't joking. And he said, they want to know, will you accept? So I covered the phone up. I remember we had just had, uh, sixth grade just had Tasha. And she was sitting on a couch around the corner. I, I stuck my head around the corner and I said, they voted us in as pastors of Bolivar. What are we going to do? <laughs> and uh, she looked at me like, I don't know, what do you, what do you think we should do? Yeah. And I said, well, they want an answer. And uh, so I said, okay, I guess, I guess we'll take it. And uh, I, I mean, that's exactly how it happened. And uh, during that, that time, I didn't know even how to spell pastor, much less be one. So Bolivar was very courteous to us. But those, those were the main stepping stones that really launched us into ministry. Because yeah. once yeah. we went to Bolivar, uh, it was a, again, it was a learning experience for us. We were away from family for the very, really first time, both of us, mm-hmm. we were new parents, uh, for the first time, mm-hmm. both of us. And now we're pastors of a church. And so, man, you talk about cutting your teeth on, on a whole bunch of brand new, brand new things. Yeah. It, it really was amazing. It was something else. Right. Cause most people look at pastors and they go, Oh, they just preach. Yeah, yeah they that's just come what up, I they, thought. They just come up with a sermon once, twice a week, right. and then that's it. And they don't realize preaching is the easy part. If you if you preach exactly. a message, it's like you rely on God, and you, you put everything back to God, and you, you do your due diligence. It's easy. It's so easy. Putting together sermons and things like that once, twice a week. I'm not saying that to downplay it. No. It's a very important thing, and it's it, but it's something that comes second nature. Right. You know, it's all the other stuff. <laughs> You right. know, it's the paperwork and dealing with the people and making sure we have coverage of the front end, the back end. Do you have somebody to run the booth? Is the, There's a lot of different aspects to it that people don't like. Oh, you are more than just words, <laughs> you know, because right. they'll just look at it because that's all they see. They come in on a Sunday and sometimes a Wednesday and they just hear the preaching and they think, wow, this guy gets paid to do this. Like yeah. I could do this. And then you step into that moment and you're like. There's more to this than I thought. A lot more. A lot more. What was the most surprising thing? Saying going from just like not being a pastor to now you're a pastor. I think the biggest challenge that we had, like you said, sermons, of course, you always want to make sure you're given the right message. And you also want to make sure that 
you know that it's it's fresh it's new it's uh you know fresh oil from heaven it's 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 a it's a new word and it's not that it's never been preached on everything's been preached on but at the same time you know what i'm saying and uh but i think the the biggie for for me anyway during that time uh i'll never forget the first time that i was asked to do a funeral um how do you do a funeral i remember the first time they asked us to do a wedding how do you do a wedding? I've been to them. Yeah. I've seen some of the stuff. But when we went into that, we I mean, we didn't have Ministry 101. We didn't. It wasn't something that was trained to us, taught to us. And uh, you learn quick. You, ha- you don't have a choice. There's a lot of things when you step into pastoring. That's why we do MITs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm a firm believer in ministers and training. Yep. And that's why we do what we do. Because I, I remember what it was like. The first time I was asked to do certain things, and I didn't have a clue. Right. And uh, so I tried to, I, I, all of our ministers, anyone feeling a call into any ministry at all, mm-hmm. I recommend that they go through the MIT program because that way, I mean, we do baby dedications. We do, I mean, we do it all. Right. We do uh, from ministers ministering to uh, uh, how do you do communion? How do you do a baby dedication? How do you do a wedding? How do you do a funeral? Uh, and I mean, we cover, the list goes on. Right. And, uh, but I think that that's, critical i think it's vital that people learn and are given the opportunity to do those things so they see another part of what ministry really is all about Mm -hmm. and that is because i've taken the mits and Mm -hmm. i'm very grateful for those because that i'm also taking the i'm doing the books in our denomination like to be an exhorter so i'm doing all those books Mm -hmm. and none of those books mention this stuff no Uh, as far as what and not saying that the books don't have anything good obviously they do and it, I, I love going through that stuff because it, it helps my biblical knowledge and like it, it helps expand that, but it doesn't cover like, how do you do a wedding? How do you do a funeral? Mm-hmm. If, if somebody were to ask me like, how do could you do this person's funeral? I would freak out and probably call you and be like, I need a point by point outline of how you do a funeral. Cause I have no clue how to start one. Well, then we did the MITs and now I've got more of a footing and stuff like that. But if I were just going off the, licensing stuff and the exhorter stuff, I wouldn't have a clue. And I think that that might be something that the denomination might have to look at as a whole to kind of include stuff like that, or like at least a book. They've got eight books, you know, you can add a ninth or take out one. I don't know. Um, Just to do stuff like that. Cause again, you don't think of that when you jump into it, you're just like, Oh, I'm going to preach twice a week and that's it. And pass around an offering plate. No, no, no. There's much more to that. Right. And, I think the most surprising thing is the way people look at you now. So it's before when I, you know, just being on staff at down at the cave, I was just staff. And if the leaders weren't around, they would ask me like questions or something like that every once in a while. But mostly it was going to the leaders. But now I've stepped into a leadership role down here. It is Kevin. What's the answer? I have no idea what the answer is, but I can't tell them that I have to figure out what that answer is. Like the most surprising thing has been like eyes are now directed at you mm-hmm. and people are going to walk up to you and expect you to be able to respond. And that was one of the more surprising things is like, I have to have their answer right then, right there. Um, Cause most people aren't patient. They aren't. Um, what about you? What about, like, what was the surprising thing jumping into ministry? I don't know if it was so much surprising because being raised in church, gone to church all my life, mm. 
I have just going into ministry is just knowing that you are available and there for the people. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. If you're not available and there for them, then yeah. you're not in ministry. What's the point? Yes. You know, like that's what they need. They need someone to know that if they have questions, if they have a problem, mm-hmm. if they need direction, do they can they come to you? Can they talk to you? Can they help you? Mm-hmm. Um, and like you all said before, the preaching is not it's important. Yeah. It's very important. But there is so much more behind scenes in pastoring than just the preaching. Yep. I, I fully one hundred percent agree. Um, I don't think I've ever had an issue coming up with a sermon or having God give me anything to say to the kids because I, I do my best and I know, I know you do the same, just getting out of his way, let him take, he's the potter. He's, you know, you make whatever you want to make. I'll be your Legos, (laughs) however you got. Um, so I've never had an issue with that. There've been times where I, I haven't been able to come like sit down and properly prepare myself because I've been busy with doing something else or I haven't made the time to do it. I should say. And God has been graceful in that, and he's like, I'll take it from here. It's okay. Like, and he'll give me whatever. Right. So for that, I'm fully faithful in. It's all the other stuff, man. It's like doing paperwork, doing incident reports, talking mm-hmm. with parents. I love kids. I do. Mm-hmm. I love I love the teenagers. I love them to death. Sometimes their parents can be a little taxing. <laughs> and still have to love them, still have to meet them with grace and things like that. But, like, there's different aspects of ministry that you don't think about. Right. And then you jump into it, and you're like... I wish somebody would have told me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So one of my favorite stories, and this was the youth leaders that were here prior, Chris and Don Cox. Um, this was when I first joined the staff down here. I was, I was 17. Troy was like, do you want to be a part of the staff? And I said, what do I need to do? He goes, everything you're just doing, which was taking out trash and cleaning up the chalk wall. That's all I did every week. And he's like, just keep doing that. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm taking the trash up there. And I go to, it's one of the overhead dumpsters, you know, we didn't have the side and I I got the bag and Chris and Dawn pull up in their little blue minivan that says Merry Christmas on the side of it all year round. And, uh, I throw the bag over and it busts, it rips and just liquid trash all over. Nice. Yeah. And I will never forget. Chris leaned out the window and said, Welcome, Welcome to ministry. To ministry. Yeah. <laughs> and drove off. <laughs> Didn't help me clean up or nothing. Just poof, gone. And I was like, yep, yep, this is it. No one tells you that. No one tells you that. You'll eventually get covered in filth. Yeah. And sometimes there's no one to help clean it up. It's it's you and God. Yeah. 